Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. There's more to a hockey player than just hockey. Like, we're not just at the gym training for eight hours a day in the summer, skating all day. What's going on, everybody? We have an awesome guest today. We're going to travel to the north to Canada. Professional hockey player Zach Hayes is going to join us. He has Hayes Outdoors, and uh, he's a big-time hunter and fisherman as well as being a big hockey player. So we're going to get right to Zach after I tell you about this. If you want to support the podcast, the best way that you could possibly support the podcast is support our sponsors, and Black Rifle Coffee is the number one sponsor. The best thing about Black Rifle Coffee, in my opinion, besides it being America's coffee, it's made in America, and it employs a tremendous amount of veterans, which that is fantastic. Uh, but I love the Coffee Club. The Coffee Club uh, is a fantastic way for you to support the podcast and also get the best coffee in the world. This is what I got this week uh, or this month on the Coffee Club. I got the AK Espresso and I also got some ready to drink. They have an app where you can go in and you can change your subscription every single month. You can add things, take away things. You can get other things like the rounds. If you're a Keurig person, you can get Black Rifle Coffee in these rounds and you can have it delivered to you um, every month. So the best way to do that is to go to blackriflecoffee.com or you can go and look at, at the specific link in the uh, bio of Tom Roland Podcast or Tom Roland on Instagram and you can click the Black Rifle Coffee link there. Use code BLASTOFF25 and you'll get 25% off uh, your first month in the coffee club. So that's a fantastic way. Now we're headed to the great north and uh, we're going to talk with Zach Hayes, professional hockey player, and learn a little bit about hunting and fishing and playing professional hockey. All right, here we go. Hey, everyone. I'm Zach Hayes, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Zach. Zach Hayes. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm happy to have you on here. So you're. Uh, we were just talking before um, the podcast started about your um, your hockey career and where you, you got some exciting news. What What's going on with you right now? Yeah, so in about uh, five hours, I'm heading over to Finland, in Vasa, Finland. Um, the league is Liga, so it's L-I-I-G-A. Um, it's like the first top league in uh, Finland, and the city is right uh, right along the Gulf um, across from Sweden. All right. So it's it's pretty far up there, but it'll be a cool spot. Well, I'm assuming you've, you've been in that area to play hockey, um, but maybe have you lived there? Nope, nope. That's my first time. I've never, never played hockey overseas yet. Uh, this is my first time. Whether it's either being younger or um, tournaments and stuff like that, I've never played overseas. So this is going to be first experience and living over there till season ends in about March. So it'll be cool to live over there for the next seven months. Okay. Did you look into the fishing? I think Finland has some bit. pretty good fishing. Yeah, I've heard that actually Vasa, the town, as places to go fishing just because it's on the Gulf and there's a lot of lakes nearby as well. So I'm talking to a bunch of old teammates and guys that have kind of, that lived in Sweden and kind of lived in Finland as well. See what they, what they say. So hopefully 
can get out like reindeer hunting as well or wow. something like that and then and then try and get out maybe get a charter charter i don't know what kind of fish they'd have in there yeah i know they've got uh like they've got musky in in sweden like in that uh uh brackish water i think it's that's what it calls where it's like half salt half mm-hmm. yeah so i know they've got like muskies and stuff like that in sweden so i'm assuming that it'd be the same in finland but Everything that I Google is all finished, so it's, it's <laughs> yeah. a little bit tougher. Yeah, not not quite as uh, as friendly for uh, for a Canadian to to read all of that. Yeah. Um, so tell me, uh, you know, just so everybody gets to know you a little bit. Tell me about your your hockey career so far. Yeah, so I I've been raised in Calgary, so played there um, with my minor hockey and then quadrant hockey with the AAA North Stars, Calgary North Stars. There played there from uh, it'd be. Bantam and Midget AAA. Um, and then I ended up getting drafted to the Prince Albert Raiders in the WHL and then signed there. So I played um, seven, my 17-year-old season all the way through my 20-year-old season, so four years. Um, played there. We won a championship. We won the WHL championship and went to the Memorial Cup in Halifax my 19-year-old season, which was probably the most fun year of hockey <laughs> I've ever been a part of. And then, um, yeah, went back for my 20-year-old year. And then ended up signing a AHL contract with the Henderson Silver Knights, so Vegas's farm team. Um, after that, and that was like kind of right when COVID hit. Mm. So then, I had that whole winter, and then we ended up going in January and had the shortened season. And so then had my first pro season, which was the shortened one. We played about thirty games, and then about halfway through that, I signed an entry level contract with Vegas, a two year. Right so then I was there for the next year played mostly with Henderson and had a couple games up with Vegas, played three NHL games, one in Minnesota, one in Winnipeg, and then one in Vegas against Nashville. Wow. And then, yeah, that was pretty cool. And then uh, this last year, started in Henderson, got traded to uh, Carolina's farm team, so was in Chicago with the Wolves, and then uh, traded again at the deadline to uh, New Jersey's farm team, so ended up in Utica, New York. Wow. And then now off to Finland. All right. Off to Finland. Wow. Well, that's yeah. quite a career already. How old are you? 24. 24. Wow. You've already yeah. had quite quite the career. All right. So in order to get to know you and for the audience to get to know you a little bit better, we're going to put you on the hot seat. I'm going to ask you uh, a series Sounds of good. kind of silly questions, but it's they're kind of either or. First thing that comes to your mind. All right. So you ready? Yep. Sunset, sunrise or sunset? Uh, sunset. Coffee, tea, or energy drink? Coffee. Would you have a reptile as a pet? No. <laughs> Me either. Uh, cats or dogs? <laughs> uh, dogs. Ice fishing or summer fishing? Summer fishing. Uh, Android or iPhone? iPhone. What tech device do you rely on the most? Um, probably my phone. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Winter Olympics or Summer Olympics? Winter. Yeah, of course. You, you're yeah. a winter yeah. guy all, all, all it the way is, It is close, though. There's a lot of good sports in the uh, summer. There are. Olympics. I like track. I like watching the track and field. That's a good one. Yeah, Football exactly, or basketball? There's so many. Football. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Um, I fly. To fly. Yeah, good one. Yeah. Um, now this one might be a little bit out of your, uh, current situation, but sharks or tarpon? 
Ooh, I think sharks would be sharks. All right. Uh, Do you prefer breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Breakfast. Office, friends, or parks and rec? I've never seen any of them. Okay, there you go. None of them. (laughs) But I've heard heard good things about. (laughs) I've heard good things about them all, but I've never seen them all. Um, Mountains or beaches? Uh, Mountains. Would you shop local? Would you prefer to shop local or Amazon? Uh, Probably local. Fly or drive? Drive. Morning person or night owl? Uh, Night owl. Okay. So we're going to finish up with this one because this is the one I'm most interested in. What's your your birthday? April 24th, 1999. April 24th. Okay. So I read the book, Outliers, about professional hockey players. It said like there were a wild majority born in February or March and you're born in April. So you're right. You're right in there. And does that ring true for for you? Do you think that that's uh, Uh, true in your experience? So, so the whole uh, concept behind that is, is that um, just because you're, let's say a 99 birth year, not every single person born in that birth year is in the same draft class. Right. So if you're, if you're born from, um january to like september i don't know there's a date in september it's like the 11th or the 12th or something like that there's a date in september so if you're born from january 1st to september 15th let's say let's say halfway through you're in the 99 draft class but if you're born after after september 15th you are uh in the the next draft class right so there's a lot of People say that if you're born in like January, February, March, you just have more time to, you're more developed by the time the hockey season comes in October yeah. than someone that's maybe born in October. So that's why they have that rule, that kind of like weird, mm-hmm. it's not just the year. So I, I definitely noticed that, but there's, it's all just kind of how a lot of guys have played less pro hockey, like one year less pro hockey just because they've, born a little bit later right so it's it is definitely interesting to like look and do research into i mean that book was super interesting just the way that he explained it and like you're basically a year older and as you're a year older i mean like what he was saying and i've never i've never actually had the opportunity to ask a a real professional hockey player about this if, if that was just a really interesting chapter or if it if it rings true because he was saying you know uh when the when the scouts come the older kids are obviously bigger, stronger, faster, better, have a little bit more experience. I don't know. Yeah. And and they end up going, you know, to the best camp or to the best whatever. And that, that goes all the way through their, their career. It was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure it's like that with many other sports, but he picked hockey and, uh, and, and that was, that was pretty cool. The whole book was, was cool. That's where the whole 10,000 hours came from and all of, all okay. of that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so you're 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 right in there in April, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely an interesting concept for sure. Yeah. So tell me about growing up in in. Uh, did you grow up in Calgary? Yeah. So tell me about growing up in Calgary and balancing this uh, this love of hunting and fishing with obvious uh, being really good at hockey and and uh, playing and trying to do both. Yeah. So like growing up. Obviously, just being from the city, it's a little bit, a little bit tougher. To, like you're not really exposed to like the outdoors as much. 
as um, if you're running from the country. But fortunately for me, like my parents grew up both born and raised in uh, super small towns, kind of north uh, north east of Calgary, about four hours. So always went back there, and that's where we always go back hunting, and where we always uh, we have a lot of family there. So we always end up going back there, and then my grandpa um, had or bought a lake lakefront property on one of the lakes kind of north northwest of calgary about two and a two and a half hours so we'd go up there and spend most of our summers up there we'd go up and spend two weeks there so that's where learn to fish caught my first fish was there so um just kind of especially growing up don't really like think about it as much and um is when i turned 12 trying to find time to go hunting in such a busy hockey season it was a lot easier when it was like just community hockey and all that stuff so then once it once it ended up getting to quadrant hockey so like triple a double a uh lost kind of that opportunity to go hunting which at the end of the day it worked out but at the time you're like ah oh, really want to go hunting but also like really like hockey at the same time so it's kind of that give and take with everything yeah um, but it was able to go fishing all the time every summer and spend a lot of time out at the lake and then kind of as as the time's gone on um haven't really been able to get out hunting for a couple years other than there's like a couple times where I, I came back like at a funeral so then i was able to take a little bit of time to go hunting there while i was back back in canada um and then i really started to get into bow hunting just because um with at least with north american camps they don't usually start until mid-September, where in Alberta, you can start bow hunting September 1st. Mm -hmm. So I've really started to get into that over the last probably five, six years. Nice. And then spring bear hunting as well, because that allows me to get out and go hunting. And more than anything, it's just to get out with the guys. Then, like, I don't really care if I shoot a bear. Like, I want it to be the right bear. I'm not just going out to go shoot any other bear, any bear just because but it's more just getting out with your buddies and going out hunting and kind of just being in that experience with, with your buddies for five, 10 days, whatever it might yeah. be. And then, so, but then as time has gone on, um, it's definitely gotten harder to, in pro hockey because you have so much commitment in the summers with training and making sure you're honing your craft. So it's kind of, but also at the same time, it's kind of finding that balance of, okay, this is your job, This, but it's a 365-day-a-year job because mm -hmm. if you slack off for a certain amount of time, you notice that because you ha your body has to be in the best shape possible that, or the best shape that you can be in. Sure. But at the same time, you also have to um, listen to yourself mentally and take time away to almost balance that out because hmm. rest is a weapon at the same time as being is going hard in the gym for three or four hours a day every right. day because you're just going to get burnt out. So that's kind of, for me, is going to the lake on the weekends. Like I will work out from Monday to Thursday, and then I'll go to the lake Friday, Saturday, Sunday, go fishing. Nice. Kind of my, my, my relaxation. So then come Monday, I'm ready to get back in the gym and feel energized and feel rested and then do it all over again. That's awesome. Um, tell me about the archery. What bow are you shooting right now? Uh, so I shoot a Bowtech. Okay. And, um, do you notice like 
obviously to make it as far along in your hockey career as you have, you know, I find that if you, um, you know, in, in my situation, it's, it's fly fishing. That's where I, I did well in fly fishing. And then as you go to something else and you start taking up like archery or whatever, you notice some similarities about, okay, well, this is kind of similar to, you know, something in hockey um, of yeah. getting really, really good at something. I was wondering what kind of um, comparisons you draw especially with archery because it's so, I mean, it requires a tremendous amount of practice, at least for me. Um, but it yeah. seems like, you know, there's, there's getting the equipment all dialed in and then there's the practice and then there's, you know, trying to repeat it the same way each time. And I would imagine that there are some comparisons that you could draw to some of the, some of the training and skills that you've gotten really good at in hockey. Yeah, it's definitely, um, the biggest thing is just paying attention to like the little details because, and in hockey, paying attention to the little details of being in the right position or um, the way you hold your hands when you shoot the puck or pass the puck or receive a puck or just listening to the systems and listening to what the coaches say um, is a huge thing. It's just paying attention to the little details where um, paying attention to the details, even when you're shooting archery, is almost just as important because I like I noticed that this year I was fortunate enough to harvest a whitetail for the first time with my bow um and I was recording it and slowed it right down and I caught myself just because first time I've ever let an arrow go at an animal I'm trying to watch it go but as I release I kind of move the one way so it kicks my arrow out a little bit so it doesn't fly as straight Mm -hmm. so those are like the little details of making sure you're anchored properly, making sure you're breathing properly, you release on your, on your down breath and kind of pay attention to those details when you're practicing shooting. So then when it comes to game time, which is out in the field, actually hunting, you're prepared and in the best way possible. Hmm. Whereas it's the same thing as you practice all week to get ready for your games in hockey so then you're most prepared for that game on the weekend. Yeah. It's interesting that you go right to the tape. Like you, you went to watch yourself shoot that arrow to make sure that things were going well. That's exactly what you do with, with hockey. You guys get, get together and then watch tape of the game and see exactly what was, what went right, what went wrong. People are, I'm sure the coaches are, are pointing out things that you could do better. And you, at this level, you already see them as well as they do, I would imagine. But archery for me is like a, it's a, it's a release of, of like, I don't know, it's just kind of a Zen kind of thing where you're trying to do the same thing over and over and over again. And there's like a, a nice release of, of, you know, tension or, or, you know, whatever you're worried about, you can't really worry about that and be very effective at, at archery. So everything else, it, it clears the head because you really need to be solely focused on what you're doing. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, uh, I do notice a lot of similarities to other things and, and draw some conclusions to other things in my life besides, you know, just getting good at casting or something like that. It's like, it all requires so much, uh, practice, but the bow is, the bow is awesome. Love that. I'm getting ready to go elk hunting next week, uh, in Montana with my boys, man, this is my favorite. It's pretty, it's pretty much my favorite week of the year. We go, uh, to Montana. Both my sons live in Montana and, uh, they're actually right at your age. Um, one's 25 and one's 23 and, um, they, uh, that that's what they like to do elk hunting. And so I go out there and try to keep up with them. 
Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a good time, man. Well, but mostly we're all trying to keep up with the elk. The elk is a yeah. incredibly athletic animal and, and they just, just so effortlessly go up and down these hills. Like, and, and you, I mean, I'll get my binoculars out. You look up on this hill and you're like, Oh, that looks, looks pretty steep. And, and so it's like, well, we need to go over there and you get up to where they were just casually grazing. They just look like they're, they're so comfortable and you get up there and literally you're like holding on to the side of the mountain yeah. because it is so steep. And you're just like, I don't see how they're capable of doing what they do. And they just, it's just effortless. They got to be yeah. one of the most incredible animals, certainly the most incredible animal that I've ever hunted. But I mean, I'm still thinking like cardiovascularly and just, just being tough and having to deal with the bears and the wolves and the mountain lions and everything mm -hmm. and just being able to live in that environment is just, I don't know. It's, I get more respect for them every time I go. Um, yeah, I haven't been able to get elk hunting out as much as I'd like, but I think it's, it's definitely my most favorite. Yeah. Well, just like them, them being receptive to calls, calling back, especially when they're right in the rut yeah. is like, you're sitting there. It's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Like you're saying, they're, they're 1500 pound animals and they're going up these mountains like they're nothing. And for being in herds, like they are, like you see herds of, especially like out in the farmland, you see herds of like a hundred of them one day. And then they're gone like ghosts the next. <laughs> it's like, how can a herd of, of a hundred animals of with that weigh 1500 pounds? How do they just disappear like that? I know. And then there, no one knows where they are. Like it's the craziest, they're the craziest animals ever. They're they ghosts. They are. So I would imagine that you're, you're hunting some really big white tails, uh, around where you grew up. Right. Is that what you're most? Yeah. Bear, yeah. There's definitely, yeah, there's out there. There's, um, definitely like a good mix of uh, mule deer, white tails, and there's some big deer that I get up there. Fortunately, unfortunately, I've never seen one live, <laughs> but I also haven't been, I also haven't been able to get out as much as I would like, but that's kind of the, the pros and cons of the hockey part of it. But yeah. get out when you can to, when you get out when you can to make it, get your fix and then go off and do your hockey thing. And especially, um, going to like new countries and playing all these new places is trying to find those opportunities elsewhere. Like when I was in Vegas, it was a little bit tougher just cause it's the desert. Right. But, um, was definitely trying, was trying to get out turkey hunting when I was in New York and, going to try and look at opportunities here in finland now just to you might as well like if you're living there right you might as well try and find an opportunity to do something that maybe you'd never have done if you didn't work in this position mm -hmm. um as far as like the locker room goes are are most uh i would imagine that you have people from all over certainly canada is a hotbed but um all over the united states too what's the percentage of people that are into the outdoors do you think as far as hockey players in your Ooh. experience is it common um, or not common or it's fishing is definitely a common one yeah like most most of the guys have either fished at some point or um like to do it every now and again i wouldn't say like there's a lot of hardcore guys but there's probably two or three guys on every team that i've been on that either like to hunt and fish or at least are like pretty pretty big into fishing mm -hmm. with their, then there's a couple oddities of guys that are like yeah i go to my cabin and i'll go try and fish like they're just more doing it just to go out have a good time probably go on the boat or yeah. whatever they want to do and just sit with a line in the water but then there's probably like three or four guys that are like nowhere like let's say we're walleye fishing they're like 
okay, there's this drop off here. We have to be at 22 feet. Use this bait at this time of the year. Um, all the water's dirty. We got to change up the bait while we're using. So there's probably two or three guys on every team that are that I've been a part of that take it pretty seriously and want to try and whether they want to go try and do because uh, a lot of them have been Americans. The whether they want to go try and do these big fishing tournaments or not, that's kind of some of their goals. But uh, just so then when they bring out people, they can catch big fish. Yeah, know where the hot spots are. Man, I tell you, Canada for my from my experience, I I took a trip to Canada with my dad when I was eighteen years old, and when I look back on it, at, at the time I don't know that it was as impactful to me as I as I realize that it was now, but looking back on it, that trip really um, really pushed me in a different direction than maybe I would have gone. We went to Northern Saskatchewan to Reindeer Lake. Have you ever heard of that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's such an amazing place. I mean, I just loved that place and the pike and walleye and lake trout. We caught grayling up there. It was, it was just an amazing trip. And, uh, man, Canada is just full of places like that. I mean, so many places and so many great lakes, um, that Northern kind of area is very intriguing to me. I haven't been back, but I want to, and I want to take my, all my kids with me because it was such an important trip to me. And, um, you know, that, that lodge is, is incredibly well run that reindeer Lake lodge stayed in touch yeah. with that guy that runs that place. And, um, just, just awesome. Do you, do, hey, do you get up there much? Um, so when I was playing in Prince Albert, we'd go up fishing in Montreal Lake. Um, but that was kind of the farthest North we ever went just because we only had a day off every now and again. Mm -hmm. And then I haven't, unfortunately I haven't been able to get back up there. Um, and then haven't really been too far north, just kind of more the Athabasca Might area have to, for fishing. Right? I mean, yeah. It's... And then, yeah. So then, uh, kind of been up there, but there are like a lot of those lakes up there, like Northern Saskatchewan, Northern Alberta, if some of them you have to fly into, yeah. but, uh, like there's a lot of those lakes that are untouched. There's fish in there that have probably never even seen a hook. I know it's amazing. And you look at the map and you're just like, you know, I don't even, I guess you could just get dropped off there. Um, but then you have to spend a week out there where, where I mean, which could be cool, but you kind of get the, the, the same similar type, uh, type deal with that, that guy that owns the reindeer Lake lodge. He has several different, um, programs, some more primitive than others where you fly out to a different lake and spend a mm -hmm. night or two in a primitive cabin. And the fishing is just amazing. I'm going to go duck hunting in Canada too, um, uh, in, in a couple of weeks actually. And we're going into Edmonton. Do you know where that is? Yep. Yep. That's just North of Calgary. Yeah. So we're going to go there and, um, uh, duck hunt. Have you, do you ever do any duck hunting? Nice. Uh, no, I haven't yet. Like I've puddle jumped yeah. like with a shotgun, tried to, tried to shoot some off the, off the sloughs and stuff like that, but I've never gone full out duck hunting is because season opens September 1st. Oh, so right. it's always that, do I want to go duck hunting for a weekend or do I want to go whitetail hunting or mule deer right. hunting for a weekend? And I, I always go whitetail or deer. I always go deer hunting. So. Yeah. Well, the reason I picked this one is because my dad's 85 years old. Duck hunting is his favorite style of, of hunting. He, he not really a deer hunter. He never really was. And uh, he loves bird hunting and particularly duck hunting. But at 85, I was really looking for a place 
that we could go that didn't take, didn't require waiters, didn't no, no boats involved. Like, yeah. you know, it kind of needs to be a little easier than some duck hunting. And most of the duck hunting that, that we've done when I grew up is you, it, it's, it's pretty miserable. I mean, if you're going to explain it to somebody, most people would look at you and be like, why do you want to do that? <laughs> like, you know, you wake up at three <laughs> o'clock in the morning, you, you, you get out to a frozen lake, you bust through the ice in a small John boat. Somebody's probably going in and getting wet. It's 20 yeah. degrees. And, uh, then you sit out there and, and wait for the ducks to come and they usually don't. Um, and then you go home and, and, and eat at the waffle house. Uh, it's, it sounds amazing you know, for the, for the tradition and everything that I had when I was growing up with my dad, but, mm -hmm. you know, explaining that to somebody else is it, it doesn't, you don't get a lot of people that are like, man, can I go? Like, that sounds amazing. So on yeah. this trip, I researched it and, um, this is dry field hunting and, um, yeah. the ducks and geese just pour in here. Um, so we're going to do it in October. So I got two awesome hunting trips coming up and, uh, both of them, one of them is close to Canada and Montana, but then the other is up there. So I'm looking forward yeah, to that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Tell me about Hayes Outdoors. Yeah. So kind of the first time that it, I kind of thought about it was uh, right during COVID. Like just had a lot of time on my hands and I was like, well, going into pro hockey and going into a place like Las Vegas, like just being from Canada, you kind of always want to, you always think about like people's political views and all that stuff, especially with hunting and fishing. Like mm -hmm. it's always the biggest, has the biggest target on its back. So I was like, well, if I'm going into Las Vegas, like obviously it's a big center, really close to California. There's a lot of people from California that go and live there. So there's probably some people that might like me as a hockey player and like me as a person, but doesn't want to see a dead deer on their Instagram feed. And then I have some family members that are also vegetarian and it's the same thing. Like she doesn't want to see a dead animal on my Instagram feed, but she's also not going to say, no, you're not allowed to go hunting. Right. So it's just kind of one of those things that I was like, well, it's going to be. And I also, I want to post a lot of, I'm going to go fishing all the time. I want to go post a picture of it, but I don't want my Instagram just to be completely, completely hunting and fishing. Mm -hmm. I would love that, but some people that might want to follow me and see what I'm doing with my hockey career might not want to see that. So I was like, okay, well, let's just create some sort of Instagram account where I can post all this stuff and kind of do what I want with it. And it'll just be a separate entity and I can bring stuff over to my main account if I really like it or just to kind of promote it and send people that way if they want to follow more, more of a different side of me. Yeah. Not So there's the hockey side and like the professional side on the one account. And then and a little bit of hunting and a little bit of more me, but then also there's this. So it's kind of both of them come together to kind of describe who I am as a person. So then um, met up with a couple buddies or met up with a couple guys online um, who are now really good friends and they have a hunting show on the Sportsman channel okay. up in Canada. So then kind of just picked their brain and kind of learned a bunch of things. So, so then I was like, well, maybe I'll start recording videos and stuff like that so create a youtube account get a gopro and just kind of do everything with my phone and gopro for the last two and a bit years now i think it'd be about that now so yeah just kind of started making youtube videos just going up to the lake just trying to 
kind of grow something just so then maybe down the road, if I can develop it enough and kind of show people that there's more of a hockey player than just hockey. Yeah. Like we're not just at the gym training for eight hours a day in the summer, skating all day, go home, go to sleep. Like there's a lot more to hockey players than, than just hockey and golf. Cause everyone yeah. thinks, Oh, you're a hockey player. You golf. Like, so, and then I've just kind of started to develop more of the YouTube side of it, start to create a lot more videos. Um, obviously can't do it as much as I would like, but hopefully down the road, it get a lot of more opportunities going like to Finland, doing a lot of that and kind of show people how conservation works in other countries. And maybe, maybe who knows you go fishing or you go hunting over there and you see something that you like, and maybe there's rules or, or laws over there that you've now <clears throat> gotten accustomed to that maybe one day you can try, try and bring that over to where you are and try mm -hmm. and make uh, conservation in your area that much better. Yeah. Especially going from like Prince, uh, Prince Albert, Saskatchewan to Alberta, just on the fishing aspect of it, the way that they run their fishing, their fisheries is they do have bigger lakes and they've got a little bit less people, but I'd say like, the Saskatchewan government fisheries are a lot more um, like they're a lot better than the ones in Alberta, mm. just because of like how they've run it with slot limits, um, how many you can keep in certain lakes, just because there's a lot of lakes down here that you used to be able to keep fish, but no longer can. Where in Saskatchewan, in almost every lake, you can keep fish. Mm. And whether that's just because we have more people fishing them okay. or just the weather or whatever that is but for some reason like their fisheries are just more superior to ours and it doesn't seem like a lot of the time people are doing the right things up top and like the government aspect of it to maybe help help those fisheries because hmm. one of the, the the lake that i usually go to we used to be able to keep three northern pike over 63 centimeters and one walleye over 50, 50 or 55 centimeters. And then they found out, um, and then they cut out all pike. You couldn't keep any pike, no, no size limit. And you can only keep walleye between 45 and 50. Hmm. And then they're like, where's all the pike going? Like, we're not keeping them anymore. Like, why are the, why is the populations going down so much? So then we talked to a CO one time when he came onto the lake. And he's like, yeah, we found out that the walleye are actually more aggressive and they're eating all the um, northern pike when they're young. Really? So that's why the, yeah, so the they're trying to balance out the walleye to northern pike population because everyone thinks that the pike are more aggressive than they're the ones eating the walleye. But for some reason, according to the CEO, that, or CEO is that uh, the walleye are eating the smaller pike. So mm -hmm. that's why the population's gone. And we've definitely noticed it over the last couple of years. They've gotten smaller skinnier and just not as many of them wow. so it's definitely like trial and error and you can kind of go into that with hunting like with the mule deer population and how white tail is a general tag all the time but you see so many more mule deer hmm. so there's so much so much that can probably be learned and whether the, you need money to from hunting tags and stuff like that to really test it out or you just need someone to come in with a new idea right but there, there's always room for improvement, especially because at the end of the day, conservation is the biggest thing because you want to be able to 
have hunting and fishing down the road for multiple generations. Sure. But conservation is a, uh, is a good message. Like you were, you were saying that, you know, some people don't might not want to see, uh, hunting and fishing pictures on your Instagram, but at the same time, you've got a great opportunity to educate, um, people that don't understand how mm -hmm. hunting and fishing can be a conservation tool. And, and, I mean, it's really both, both of them are the best tool in the United States. We have a, uh, a tax, a self-imposed tax on all hunting and fishing gear that goes back to the, uh, to the resource and management of the resource. Mm -hmm. And without that, I mean, PETA's not given any money to that. Like no, no <laughs> yeah. one, no, no of the other, none of the other organizations are helping to pay the game wardens or, 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 you know, building boat ramps or, or uh, making sure that 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 law, we have proper law enforcement out there. I mean, that's all coming from hunters and fishermen in the United States, and uh, it's been yep. a huge success there. But uh, you know, honestly, most people that don't hunt and fish don't know that. Even though Johnny Morris put a, uh, a an entire giant museum in Missouri, all dedicated to it's called the Wonders of Wildlife Museum. If you ever go there for any hockey reason or or any reason, you should definitely mm -hmm. go there. It's an incredible museum, and throughout the whole thing, the whole theme of the whole museum, and it's a masterpiece of a museum. And the whole theme is how hunters and fishermen have um, made such an incredible impact in the conservation of of all these different species and different habitats and and without hunters and fishermen man i don't even know if there would be habitat right like yeah you know so so i think you have a great opportunity to to educate as much as um you know people listen to people listen to people they see on tv and and playing sports and stuff they'll 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 listen to you so you got a great opportunity with that yeah, it's definitely something that's been on my mind when, especially when I started the account. It was like, I can definitely, you just have to have, have the right audience. If someone doesn't want to, someone comes to you and they're like, you're doing this wrong, like hunting is bad, and they have that closed mindset of it, you're not going to be able to change their mind. Right. But if you have the right audience where they're open to learning and they're like, okay, maybe it's not something that I want to do personally, but I can appreciate, I can appreciate why you do it, why you hunt, why you fish, and the conservation efforts behind that. Mm -hmm. um, if you have someone that is open to hearing um, about those talks, it's a lot bigger. Like one of the biggest things that I've noticed just because when I do try and promote hunting and stuff like that in on my accounts, over the last couple of years, it's mostly been bear hunting. And bear hunting, mm. just because they're, they're furry creatures, <laughs> is, is the worst one. It, like everyone hates people that hunt bears for whatever reason just because maybe they're cute or whatever you're shooting them, like an Alberta you can shoot them off baits which is a lot it's actually a great way to be able to hunt them because then you can make sure you're shooting the right bear you're shooting the right boar an old mature one mm -hmm. um but a lot of people are like well what do you do with it um they're like you don't have like you don't eat the bear do you like and all this stuff and they're like why are you shooting these animals just to and they have no reason, they have no understanding what you do with it. Where in like Alberta, you have to take the hide. You don't have to eat the meat, but uh, for something, one of the things that I really believe in, especially after shooting uh, a bear two years ago, is like bear meat, I think, is one of the most underrated meats out there. Yeah. It's not gamey. There's, you can shoot, or you can cook it to 165, and it's still the same tender as a medium rare steak. Mm. Yeah. A lot of people love bear. 
Yeah. And like the fat, and when you, if you really want to go hardcore into it and render down the fat and stuff, that it's, it's great for your skin. It's great to cook with. Like there's so many things that you can do with these, with animals like that, with bears that people don't really uh, take advantage of. Yeah. But then that's one of the things that someone maybe with more of a closed mindset on hunting and they're like, why are you shooting these, these animals? Like you don't do anything with them. They're not open to the seeing those things that can be ha- be done with the animals. Mm-hmm. Like one of the big things when I learned up, when I was up in Prince Albert is um, this first nations guy, he loved shooting bears just because he loved the bear grease for his skin. It helped, it helped his skin moisturize and then he used it to cook as well. Hmm. So that's kind of where I kind of learned all that from and took a new appreciation for it. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, what about, uh, the, the fishing, um, as far as like, I don't know what other species you would have up there, but the lake trout, the walleye, the northern pike, those were fantastic fish. Love that. Um, of those three, which do you prefer to fish for the, the most? Um, I've never gone specifically lake trout fishing yet. I want to. It's it's definitely, you have to go a lot farther north. Um, the pike are definitely more of a fight. But I like walleye fishing just because you can keep them. Yeah. And I like having a fresh fish for supper. Sure. So that's probably my favorite one. Um, yeah. And then same thing with perch too. There's a couple of lakes that I've perch and those are unbelievable to eat as well. But I'd probably say walleye is my favorite. Yeah. You get some big ones up there too. I would yeah. imagine. Um, yeah. That's a, that's a great fish. I loved all of them. When we were in, uh, in Saskatchewan, we had shore lunches every day. And they would just keep one of the fish that you had. It would be enough to feed everybody. And uh, I thought, I, I was surprised actually, um, because I thought I would like walleye or lake trout the best, but I like pike the best. I thought it was, I thought it was by far the best of the three. Yeah, p- pike is unbelievable. I really like it. You just have to be able to debone them properly yeah. or know that there's going to be bones in them just because of how they're like the x and y bones i think they're called like how they cross mm-hmm. a lot of people stay away from them just because they're so bony but i i do like pike as well but there's not many places where you can keep them in southern alberta really? anymore that's yeah. that's interesting because they seem like a very prolific fish when you get further north and that's the only experience i have with them really is is going yeah. further north and it just seemed like they were everywhere and they were huge and oh, yeah. it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was awesome i definitely want to go back um, but I, I liked them. I liked fishing for them the best. And I thought that they were the best to eat. I mean, they were my favorite all around. I could just go up there and just fish for nothing but those, uh, pretty easily. They fly fish for them up there too. And that seems. Yep. Really yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say that me and me and my dad have started to try and get into fly fishing a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, it, well, I just think fly fishing is almost like hunting, especially mm-hmm. in a river mm-hmm. because you have to know where you're going. you, kind of scout out where you want to go and where you think there's going to be a fish and you go there and you fish that spot. So I think, I think fly fishing is almost like hunting. Yeah. In well, a, in well a way. It, it is. And especially like where, where we're fishing in the Florida Keys, uh, it is hunting a hundred percent hunting. Um, you'll see a fish from as far as 200 yards away 
And sometimes that fish is six foot long and, um, you know, 140 pounds. That'd be the tarpon. And they have yeah. a black back over white sand. You can see them from so far away and you have to make a real stealthy approach in a boat. So they're the guides in the back, you know, with a push pole moving yeah. into range with the wind, the tide and the sun all as factors that you have to set it all up just perfectly. And then um, then you make the cast. And, uh, you know, that to me, I, I grew up hunting and I grew up fishing and I liked them about the same. Uh, I think, mm -hmm. well, I probably liked fishing a little bit more when I was growing up. But, uh, when I saw, uh, the first time I went to Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, I was in uh, Yellowstone national park. And the first time that I saw real clear water and trout holding in the current and walking up to them and they see you and spook, you're like, Oh, okay. Well, this is a different kind of this is a different kind of thing here. Like you got to crouch down and you got to, you know, move slow yeah. and you, you, it's just like hunting. And then you, you make the cast and they eat it. And that, that changed my fishing career forever right there. I was like, okay, this is like hunting and fishing combined. Like my two favorite yeah. things combined. And I just let the fish go. And I, you know, I can do this all day long. This is so, it, yep. was, it was amazing. I loved that so much. When you're talking about fly fishing and getting into fly fishing, is that for trout or what are you fishing for in the rivers? Yeah, so it's mostly trout. Like there's bull trout. Um, bull trout. Wow. Rainbow trout. Yeah. Um, then a couple other ones. Like one of the biggest, one of the rivers that come through uh, Calgary actually, I guess is one of the best of fly fishing is that rivers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I've heard the so boat. much about that. It's like river. world, it's like world renowned. World class, man. That is a phenomenal place. I used to have a lot of my customers would tell me about going there and they would go there and they'd come, you know, to, to Wyoming and fish with us, but lots of stories about the bow. Very. Yeah, that, and that's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's in your, like I, I've tried to um, fish the bow, but not with a, like not with a fly rod. So, and I've had zero luck. <laughs> so then I've always just been like, ah, like and river fishing's not for me other than I've gone a couple of times fly fishing with buddies in smaller rivers. But one of the things I really want to do probably next summer is rent, like get a charter, like yeah. rent a boat and go with someone that knows what they're doing. Absolutely. And kind of pick their brain, learn how to do it. And just because like, I always go with buddies to fly fishing that I've fly fished before because I don't really know, like, I know like you're supposed to go look at the bugs and look at the water, mm -hmm. but I don't really know for sure like i could go trial and error but yeah. if you're going to drive an hour and a half you're like you want to you want to hopefully you, give yourself the best chance <laughs> I, I know for a fact that there are some world-class guides on the bow and if yeah. you get with one of those guys and you fish a couple of days you'll 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 go away from that it, it it'll be the sim a similar situation to if somebody came and 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 spent you know two days with you and and learned about hockey like you could yeah. go and spend two days uh, or a month or a, a whole winter out on the, out on the ice by yourself. And you might figure out a couple of things, but if they spend two days with you, they're going to be at an entirely different level immediately, a different understanding level, yeah. a different uh, technical level. Everything is going to be better. You're going to cut through all the BS. You're going to tell them exactly what they need to do and they're going to get better immediately. That's the same way yeah. that those fishing guides work. And if you spend, I mean, one day would be one of the best investments you could make. If you're, if you're interested in that kind of fishing and you get with one of those guys that's really world-class over there, 
um, and I'm sure that there's a ton of them that are huge hockey fans. So I don't think it's going to be a challenge. <laughs> you, yeah, you, like the amount of the amount of guys you're like, because I drive over the bow every single day to go work out. And I'm driving over, and it's like 20 degrees out or whatever in the summer, or like 20 Celsius out. Mm-hmm. The amount of boats you see floating down the river with fly fishermen on them is insane. I mean, it's a it's a full on industry on that river. Yeah, and uh, and then even north of that, there's even some some other fishing that my son has got, traveled from Montana up into Canada, and he had amazing trout fishing up there. I mean, mm-hmm. it was fantastic. Uh, but that's that's really cool. So um, you were mentioning your uh, your YouTube and your social media. Tell us what what those are. So if you're going to find it, it's all, it's all the same. It's H A Y Z all one word on YouTube and uh, Instagram. And then there's also a Facebook page as well. Okay. And which of those are you most active on? Um, probably Instagram's the most. Um, Facebook is my Facebook's attached to it. So I'll get a lot of the same, a lot of the same posts, but if I have to schedule a post for whatever reason, if I'm on the road or going, playing a game and I schedule a post on Instagram. It doesn't schedule, I guess, on Facebook as well. So there's a couple, you'll definitely get more um, content on the Instagram, a lot more active on that. And then on YouTube, it's all, all just depends. I'll usually post once a month if I can, and a little bit more if uh, I get lucky and can get out fishing or hunting a lot more than I was expecting. So what about your hockey account? What's that? Which one is that? Uh, Yes, that's, uh, it's H-A-Y-E-S-I-E. 24 is my personal personal hockey account has that been your number how long has that been your number uh i've actually never worn 24 (laughs) other than other than my first year of hockey and like timbits they call it like they're tyke or whatever Uh it was my first year was 24 and then obviously my birthday april 24th so then that's kind of just it's always been my favorite number but i've never been able to wear it yeah just because i've always come in what what was your last number 65 so i've been 65 yeah, 65 with um, Henderson, and then I was five in Chicago, 65 in Utica, going to be 65 again in Finland. Because 24, there's a lot of guys that like 24, so I always come into a team, and 24 is always taken, so I never get it. <laughs> uh, one of these days, you'll get it. Yeah. You'll get it. Well, listen, man, it's been great to get to know you. I wish you the very best in Finland, and and I'll be watching your account uh both accounts, your uh, hockey account and your outdoors account to uh, see what kind of fish are in Finland. I, th- I would imagine, I would imagine there's some really good fishing over there. I think oh yeah. Find- I'm excited for it. it. It should be, it should be a fun experience. Yeah. All right. Well you leave tonight. So uh, I appreciate you coming on the show uh, with, with short time. Um, but it's been great getting to know you and we'll, uh, we'll be following you. Sounds good. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Zach. See ya. think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing but as i've learned no matter where i've been whitetails can be damn tricky pursuing wild game in wild places tune in to hunt stand presents saturdays at 8 30 p.m eastern waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment In wild country, 
Rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.